Good morning. Um, as promised last week, we are going to dive into forgiveness today. And I think that I probably have three favorite God solutions, and this may be number one. If I had no other solutions to deal with things that keep me from walking by the Spirit, and I could only pick one, it would probably be this one because I think there's so much power in it. If you weren't here last week, we finished up foundation number nine, foundation number 10, if you're following the, in the book. For those of you who are new, um, we aren't following this word for word, but if you wanna check this out, we are referencing this book, and um, I promise you it's not sending my kids to college. It's sending someone from Baker's Publishing kids to college, but it's a very helpful book, and we think it's a good tool to help walk by the Spirit more and get rid of the things that keep us from doing that. And so we talked about last week foundation number nine and foundation number 10, and today we're going to sort of go back to the foundation of applying God's solutions and we're gonna get specific with forgiveness because this is one of the best God's solutions I know. And if you're following in the book, when you look at the chapters about doing kingdom business and there's a big chart on page 138 and you'll see everything lined up, this God's solution of forgiveness is in the little section we call the boot section, which makes sense. If you have unforgiveness, we're going to boot that out. We're going to apply God's solution to get freed up there. And so we're going to talk about that today. And, and forgiveness is really interesting because I would say for most people that I've prayed with and even in my own life with my own stuff, I would say just logically, yeah, I forgave that person. I said it a couple times at church. We talked about last week. You definitely say it before you take communion because the fear of God comes on you. And I've, I will speak forgiveness but I still walk around with this thing on my heart, this heaviness. And you know you have it. Here's some tips if you think, no, I've forgiven them. If you have imaginary conversations with the person while you're driving your car, probably not. If you have imaginary conversations with them and you win everyone, definitely not. I've had some doozies of imaginary conversations where I get them and they feel bad. And so you know that, that that's circulating in there. If you avoid them, if you think you see them at Target and you take the other aisle because you just can't deal with them, probably some unforgiveness there. And unforgiveness has a lot of power and the enemy knows that. The secular world knows that unforgiveness has some power too. You can go searching online, you can see places like the Mayo Clinic and they have something now in the last couple years called forgiveness therapy because they understand the connection between unforgiveness and even your physical health. And I'm sure some of you know people where they are so rooted in unforgiveness and in this resulting judgment and bitterness that you can see it on their person. And it's, it's powerful. And so the enemy loves to, to hang out there. And so the secular world starts applying this. If you just type forgiveness therapy and Google it, just about every marriage counseling thing has something that will pop up there because, you know, in marriages we have to work with unforgiveness sometimes. And the secular world will say things like, you need to express the emotion, what you feel. You need to understand why you feel it. You need to rebuild the safety that came down, and then you need to let it go. And I would say that that is pretty okay, except I've seen a lot of people attempt that. Letting it go into some abyss, it's really easy to go and take it back. So I would say you cannot do forgiveness without Jesus because in our own strength, we can't let it go. 
We can't rebuild our own safety. We've tried and it will come crashing down again. And even understanding why, I think that is really, really difficult without the Spirit of God. And so for us, when we're walking in freedom, when we're walking by the Spirit, we want to do forgiveness right with the Lord and we want to apply God's solutions to do that. One of the, you could do a whole scripture search. You can do it this afternoon if you want. I'm going to highlight some for you about unforgiveness and judgment and bitterness, just so we're all on the same page. Colossians 3.13, that's the verse about bearing with one another. And at the end of the verse, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I actually think that's not a vague statement. I think it's extremely specific. Well, how do we do that? How do we forgive as the Lord forgave us? I love the, the words in Isaiah. You can see it in Isaiah 1. You can see it in Isaiah 43, where it talks about settling the account, reasoning together. This is where the Lord is talking about what we owe him, our sin. And it's a specific language about settling a matter, you review it, you argue it, you reason it, depending on the translation of your Bible. That is really, really specific language. Matthew 7, that's the famous scripture, judge not or you will be judged. So I kind of want to put that as an umbrella about what we're going to do today. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to hang out in Matthew 18. And you can kind of mark it if you're a Bible underliner. I'm going to give you some things that really stand out to me in this chapter. But we're going to go through it, and however you learn best, you can read along. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it so we hit the main, the main points of this. But this is how we're going to look at forgiveness today. And that starts, the forgiveness chapter starts at verse 21 in Matthew 18. And so Matthew 18, you have a king, and here's the specific language that jumps out to me when I read it. This king says he needs to settle the accounts of his servants who owe him. That jumps out at me just like it jumps out at me in the verses in Isaiah. There's something that has to be settled. It's specific. Think about your checking accounts, your saving accounts. It's a specific sum. It's got to be settled. And so the king, he calls his servants and he says, I'm going to settle the accounts today. It's time to give me what you owe me. And this particular servant, he owes the king a tremendous amount of money. And he says, okay, servant, you owe me this exact big sum. It's time to pay. And the servant says, I can't. I don't have that money. I cannot pay it. And the king says, this is really specific if you're a Bible underliner. He says, okay, you and your family will be sold until you can pay it. So immediately in my mind, I think, okay, if we're dealing with unforgiveness and forgiveness, there is some connection between holding on to a debt that you cannot pay and how it affects your family. I think that's really specific. You know people, I'm sure, in your family. I can think of some extended family in my family and in Corey's family where this particular relative was known as being extremely bitter, extremely judgmental. And then you see a trickle down where like the great aunt says, oh, you're just like your granny Barnett. You know, you can see a trickle down of unforgiveness and how that passes from generation to generation. So the king says, you and your family, you're going to be sold until you can pay this debt that you owe me. And so this servant obviously is distraught and he throws himself on the ground before the king and he says, please, please have mercy on me. I will, I will try to pay it back. I can't. Please have mercy. 
And so here's the applying God's solutions. Immediately the king, number one, felt compassion, which is pretty amazing when someone owes you a huge debt. He felt compassion. He released the servant. So all of a sudden this thing that the servant owes, he's been released. And the king says, I will forgive the debt, all of it. It's erased immediately. Compassion. He releases him from what was going to happen, and he forgives the debt. Servant, you do not have to pay this back to me anymore. And so the servant, in all that freedom, goes and finds another servant who owes him a tiny debt, teeny tiny. And he says, takes him by the throat, you have to pay this. You owe me this. And we on Sunday morning read that and go, That's horrible, but we do the same thing every day. You have to pay this to me. I grabs him by the throat, and the servant who owed just a little, he says, I can't. I don't have it. And so the servant who was forgiven much says, fine, you have to go to jail till you can pay it. And what strikes me in that verse, have you ever tried to pay? Well, I hope none of you have been in jail, but if you have, have you ever tried to pay a debt in jail? That's going to be really hard very hard. I almost think it would be easier to pay it when you're sold and you're working for someone than paying a debt in jail. And so the servant who was forgiven much sends his friend to prison and all the other servants who are watching, they're in disbelief. They cannot believe what just happened and what played out. So like human nature, like we do, they went and told the king, hey, you're not going to believe what the servant just did who was forgiven so much. And the king is outraged, understandably. And he calls that servant back and he says, because I forgave this huge debt that, that you owed me, you went and turned around and grabbed another friend and said, you owe me this little one. And you executed some judgment and some punishment. Because of that, I will now hand you over to the torturers. So first, this consequence of a debt being owed, something that needed to be paid. We had the servant saying him and his family are going to be sold into slavery. They're sold away till they can pay it. Then you see prison. And at the end of this passage, you see torture. There's kind of a, a worse degree as we go along. And so the king sends the servant to the torturers. And Jesus, who was telling this story to Peter and saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we should pay attention there because that's That's that foundation of this is how you apply God's solutions. Jesus says, if you act in this manner, this will be done to you as well. And that's really, really sobering to me. This is what will happen to you if you walk in this same manner, you will be handed over like that. I think this is a great passage. Um, And this very last verse, if you're looking at your Bible, verse 35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother. And here's the thing I have underlined, and I look at it again and again, from your heart. See, we do a lot of this kind of forgiveness. We speak it, we think it, but our heart's response to it, it's off limits, right? We kind of stuff that because we know if we're church godly people, we're supposed to be in a posture of forgiveness but our heart hasn't gotten there yet. And so what I wanna do is take this passage today and really walk out and appropriate how we get our heart to line up with this. 
And so if you're a note taker, here's, here's the steps for applying God's solutions. And I would say that it is rare that an individual can do these steps in order. We normally help people do them backwards just because we need a little bit of help. So your steps there that the king did, number one, he felt compassion. That is really hard if someone has wronged you pretty badly. He released him and he forgave the debt, all of it. So let's talk about that debt. The reason why our heart struggles so much is because we feel the debt. And it is an exact sum, it's a sum and some change of what someone owes us. So I'm gonna give an example. Let's think about, um, trying to give an example that will sum it all up. Well, I'm just gonna use marriage because I think that's a good one to use. I'm pretty sure if we're honest, we've all had to forgive a spouse. So let's say that our spouse owes us something and it's not just, well, he or she is, is kind of vaguely this, we can name it, especially women, right? We can say, he didn't do this, then he said this, then he forgot to do this, and then he didn't do this again, and we've talked about it three times already. We can start naming it. And for really, really traumatic things, we can name some pretty heavy debts that are owed us. And that's the thing our heart feels, the thing that's owed. And we have to be in a position, if we're walking by the Spirit, to be able to go to God and say, I need you to see that this was owed me. Again, I'll use the example of praying for victims of abuse, victims who've been raped, those kinds of things where there is a definite debt and it is definitely owed. Our tendency is to kind of squash the thing, squash the debt because we know we're supposed to walk it. But someone who has been through something horrific where they definitely were on the victim side, needs to be able to go before the Father and say, look at this. This was done. This wasn't done. This was done again. This was done four times. This was done, and the person who's supposed to protect me did not. This was done, and the person who, who turned their, their face, they turned away, they should have done something. The teacher who looked the other way, the parent who looked the other way, and this debt, adds up. I recently did a prayer time with a pastor's wife at another church and she was so great because she had tried years and years and years and years to forgive someone in a church in another state who had done some pretty horrific things. And she came to the prayer time going, I've, I've done this. And I said, okay, because I'm not going to push her. And she said, but you know, there's this thing and she started recalling it and it was pretty detailed and it had happened over 15 years ago. I said, you know what, can we just try forgiveness a different way? What if I said you could go before a good father and tell him everything? And his heart is to take it up and out and off of you because that's the burden we carry, the thing that was owed us. And we all have been owed something that didn't get paid, right? And she said, can, you know, can I do that? I was like, absolutely, because at the end of it, we're going to do the holy, righteous thing. We're going to bless and do all those things. They said, but I would bet you can't even do it yet. And she said, you're right. I hate him. There it is, because she was given freedom and permission to say, he actually owes me years that he wrecked my family, my husband, my, my young daughter. He owes me years, and I hate him. Now, we're not going to sit with the hate. We're not going to keep the hate, but the hate's just been brewing. And so we have to go before God and say, he owed me this. He owed me this. A good person should do this. He did the opposite. And it got really specific, and it got really specific for two hours. And it was some of the best time we could have spent. 
It is the best time to be spent when you let the Lord take it up and off and you say, I cannot carry this debt that's owed me, but man, I need to count it up a little bit because it's in here, it's stuffed. I need to list it. And so when we pray with people, when we get before the Lord ourselves, we actually count the debt. That's your step one in forgiving from the heart. You count the debt, and I mean, you count it specifically. And sometimes what that may sound like is, I'm gonna pick on dads because they always get picked on, and moms can get picked on just as much too, but it could look like, Dad, you owed me some identity and you never spent time with me and when you did you told me I was worthless that's pretty broad debt right but then it can get specific dad you owed me that time when I turned 16 and I asked you to show up at this thing at school and you promised you would and you did not and you went to the bar instead and I had to make up you see how specific a, a debt could get so they can be broad I think a lot of times they are extremely specific and so when you go before the Father, there's two ways to count the debt, and it's really your own comfort level. You can say, Jesus, I have carried what was owed me for however long it was, and I don't want to do it anymore. I need you to see what I'm carrying so I can get it up and off and out. And you can say, Jesus, my dad owed me, and you start counting the debt. Some people, it's just much more real it's much more personal and it means more if they just before the father say dad you owed me as if the dad is sitting right there as if the spouse is sitting right there as if the teacher or the coach or the uncle is sitting right there it doesn't really matter you just want to forgive from the heart verse 35 and so if it makes more sense to talk as if they were there great if it feels safer to you to say Jesus I'm just doing this before you but I need to say it and put it out there great whatever works so we count the debt and that debt can look like a, a grocery list a laundry list and it could be five minutes it could be I've sat with people for hours while they just counted the debt and again that is time well spent it's up and off and out and it's before God and remember what we talked about at the beginning when we're working with the problem the problems the problem you don't have to be ashamed to go before a good father and say I have carried this my whole life and, and I, somebody owes me. This account needs settled. And I wake up every day trying to settle it myself, right? How many times have we done that when we're trying to settle the account ourselves and we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? We can't do it. We cannot let it go. We cannot rebuild our safety. We cannot understand. We have to go before a good God who puts his arm around us and says, I'm with you. I'm on your team. Let's look at this on the table together. And you say, I can't carry this burden. Jesus, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And this debt is not light. In fact, it's probably killing me. It's probably affecting my physical health, not just my emotional and my spiritual health. And so you put it out there, you count the debt. And then you've got this big long debt, this thing that was owed sitting there. And the instruction in verse 35 says, you've got to forgive from the heart and in all the other scriptures about forgiveness and bitterness and judgment, it says we have to do it like God does it. And so if you really study what God does with our sin, and Andy touched on this with Romans, there's a legality there, right? There's a legal transaction. And so you've got this debt, this thing that was owed, you've counted it up, and you very quickly go, Jesus, I cannot hold this any longer. I don't want to. 
I'm going to pass it to you. And here's the cool thing about passing it to Jesus. He's conquered death and everything underneath death. So you know he can carry it. He can handle it, right? Jesus also really gets debts. And for people who have had the most atrocious things done to them, it is very hard to say, I'm going to try to forgive this person that ruined my life, right? It's really hard. But when we give the debt to Jesus, we can pass it to him and say, Jesus, I cancel this debt, not because this person owes, deserves the canceling, not because they're so great, I'm going to just give them some amnesty, some freedom. I am canceling this debt. And I do this because when I teach kids this, this is what we do. We do a big X. I cancel the debt, not only because I don't want the consequences of carrying it, but because Jesus, you have canceled mine. And somehow, even for the people who have had the worst things done, when they look at the person of Jesus and say, man, you have canceled everything. It's a specific sum and some change that I owe you and will owe you, even the most subtle things. And so I'm canceling it, Jesus, just like you've canceled mine, not because this individual deserves it, but because Jesus, I want to imitate you. I want to look like you. And so we just pass it, we cancel it, and just like the king did in the story, we release the individual. Because again, you could Google for forgiveness and unforgiveness, and you can see all these little quotes that you could put in your hallway or your bathroom that say things like, you know, unforgiveness is a prison, but you're the one in it. You know, there's people have figured out forgiveness is pretty powerful. And it's true because we've got to release the individual. We have held on to that individual for a couple of reasons. We hold on to them saying, you owe me, you better pay. For most people, the individual that hurt them, that harmed them, whatever happened, that individual is not going to pay that debt. They're not. A lot of times they're long gone, right? They're either not living or they're in another state or the boundaries just are there that you do not need to be having interaction with the person. And we're going to talk about that in a second. That individual's gone. They cannot pay it, but we wake up every morning, whether we verbalize it or not, saying, pay it, pay it, pay it, pay it. Fix it, fix it, fix it. You owe me, you owe me, you did this. And somehow we feel like if we hold on to that, we're safer or we've executed justice. You know, like if we just make them pay in our mind and hold them to that, somehow they're paying for it. They're probably not thinking about it, to be honest. We're thinking about it all day, every day. We go to bed at night thinking about it. We wake up with it. We're having imaginary conversations in our car with it. They have likely moved on. They may actually even be oblivious to the fact that they did this. And so we release them. We, we pass it, the debt. We cancel it. We release them from our judgment. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then once you do that, and I'm not kidding, I've seen this so many times, something comes up and off. People actually look better when they do this because they are dealing with all of that stuff that is festered and grown, and it is an actual physical response to see someone pass it, cancel it, release the person from their judgment. And so what does that sound like when we do that? Because the king did that for the servant initially. He released him. That looks like saying, you don't have to fill this role for me anymore. It could look like, 
Mom, I have expected you my whole life to fix what happened. Today, I release you from that responsibility. And God, I'm asking you to fill the need in my heart to have this fixed. God, I'm going to ask you to fill the role, to fill all the holes that my mom could not fill correctly. And I release her from having to be the example of a mom I always wanted. God, for reasons I understand and walked in, I know she just could not do it. I also know, and here's the key about releasing someone, I also know, Jesus, that there are reasons I don't understand for some of the things that she did. And I'm just using mom as an example here. I, I know I don't see everything, and this is what we tell people because it's true about God. God, your scales, they're really balanced. The perfect balance of justice and mercy. He's perfect in it. God, I acknowledge that my scales look like this because I just see my pain. I just see the places that I struggled. I'm going to give this to you because your scales look balanced and I'm going to take my hands off of it. And here's a little trick too. And God, will you remind me by your Holy Spirit when I'm tempted to take it back? Because we do that. The next day we wake up and go, mm, they really owed me and I'm not seeing any fruit. I think I'm going to sit with this today. And it's like poison to take it back. Unforgiveness is like poison. It's like poison to take it back. Yes. Um, in my family, we have for generations um, sugar-coated and minimalized pain. And I'm really struggling with that. Let's, let's talk about that because this part of Forgiveness does not minimalize pain. I think there's this, this kind of secular idea and even in church idea about forgiveness that says you forgive and you forget. I, I don't think so. I think if horrible things have happened, you're not going to forget them because they were painful. God just has a way, I said a couple weeks ago, of taking the file that's painful and just appropriating it back in the right place. Forgiveness is not denying pain. I think that you can go, I know you can go before a good God and say, this was awful, and I still feel awful about it. And it's amazing to me when people do that, how the, the Father or Jesus shows themselves clearly to say, yeah, it was, you know, because we have this idea that God was absent. So forgiveness is not denying the pain or forgetting, and it's also not saying, and now we can just be free to have relationships with unhealthy people. God is a God of boundaries, and he gets boundaries. I mean, he falls them in pleasant places. He understands that sometimes it's just not smart to go back with that. Jesus understands pain. Jesus weeps for our pain. I think that you can go and say, this is awful, and I feel the pain probably worse than the unforgiveness. I, Jesus gets that. I, I think that's really valid. It's a good Good question, good statement. Other things before I, I go on? What if the accumulation of the debt is ongoing? It's not something that's good. It's, it's a continual thing. What I would say is it goes to that foundation of an event and a process. So I remember doing some pretty significant forgiveness several years back, and I did that big chunk of it, the big list, you know, counted up the debt for the things that had happened in the prior months. And I'm not kidding, I did forgiveness every day for the next two months because this individual just continued to 
you know, put salt in the wound. It happened every day. And I was determined because I was like, I want to do what I'm saying here and, and preach what I'm selling. You know, I, I needed to do this. And I did it for about two months. And it's amazing when forgiveness is just part of the lifestyle. And it could be five minutes, whatever that individual that day. God, she owed me this. She did the opposite. She's trying to do this. I've got to take my hands off of it. I cannot carry the pain that, you know, and you just do it. In five minutes, the first time it's probably going to take a chunk of time. And I kept doing it. And eventually, after a couple of months, that individual just ceased to cause problems. And amazingly, three years later, she came back and said, I am so sorry. And, you know, we're a demonstration to the heavenlies what we do. It's one of my favorite verses. We're a demonstration to the principalities. Whether you believe that or not, we are. And we're either demonstrating something pretty awesome, walking by the Spirit, or we're demonstrating something pretty secular that's kind of eh, or gross on the other side. It is quite the demonstration when we walk in forgiveness, disciplined in it daily, daily, daily for an individual that keeps resurfacing. I mean, the good guys and the bad guys go, whoa. What's that? That's definitely a spirit-led thing. And I'm not saying that the person always comes back around. I'm saying you kind of clear the air for the possibility, especially if that person is a a believer and really who they say they are. Sometimes there's no chance they're going to come back around. And my, my attitude before the Lord is up and off. Like, I don't want the consequences of this. I don't want to be given over to the tortures kind of thing. I've got to get it up and off, and I'm going to do the business, applying God's solution, the kingdom business, to make sure that I'm not carrying this. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. Right. And it's a little bit easier to see that person through God's eyes instead of the person that's supposed to give you something. Right. Because you're getting it from God now. You're not getting it from that person. Right. Yeah, that's like a bonus step in my mind that I, I always try to get people to do and I always try to do for myself. And that is, God, will you show me how you see this person? Because, again, his balance scales... He, he desires everyone comes to him, right? And so he's got a specific lens for that person, even though our lens is cloudy with all this stuff. Will you just give me a picture of how you see this individual so I can pray from that place, even if I'm not invested in their life, even if they're a really solid, good boundary set up. Can you help me see them the way you see them? Because that's the next step in forgiveness from the heart. If you can get there even a little bit, or at least get there from the mercy place of this individual is really broken, this individual has done a lot of awful things, but can I get in a posture of just saying, Jesus, will you meet them? Will you bless them in some way? I mean, I think a really good way to practice this, and maybe I'm just abnormal in this, but when I watch the news, and I actually can't watch it, I normally read it now because I'm visual and I just, I can't see it. When I read the news, and I have this visceral response to someone who has done unimaginable evil, just because I understand how the poison can seep in a little bit, and I start executing judgment in my head, I'll, before the Lord, go, okay, I know that's your child. Will you just give me a little bit, a little bit of grace 
and I just make myself pray mercy. And that's a great way to practice this because we see some evil and God sees it and he's, again, balanced scales. But if I can pray from a posture of, that is your child, that person is made in your image and they are so far gone, can you give me an understanding of how they got there or how to pray into their, their life? I mean, if we can do that with that, we can do it with people. Yeah. I, um, I want to put an exclamation point on what you said about how you see the person that's hurt you. Um, and I, it just occurred to me, like the people that have owed me a lot that I've been able to just completely forgive, it's when I can like just feel compassion for them because of what they've been owed that mm-hmm. they have not let go of. And then the people I have a harder time I just am realizing people I have a hard time forgiving is those that I'm, ha- I'm having a harder time feeling compassion for. Yeah. The debt in their life that they're not letting go of. Because that's really what creates pain, I think. Yeah. And almost everybody, and usually what causes people to hurt other people is the only pain right. in their life. They're acting out. Exactly. There's They weren't born that way. I mean, something has happened that they are going to... We My middle schoolers had people over Friday night, spending the night... And I was enjoying the conversation around the table because their friends tell on them and back and forth. And they were talking about different things. And they were talking about mean, mean middle schoolers. And they were like, well, why? I said, well, hurt people hurt people. And so they, they didn't come out <coughs> from the womb like that. Something has happened. Hurt people hurt people, their insecurities. And so even just to get a broad perspective, I think is good. It gives us a little bit more grace to, to deal. It's a good point. Yeah, other, other thoughts or questions like that? I would say just as we talked about, forgiveness is not denying the pain. It's not tolerating continual pain. If someone continues to hurt you, I don't think that God necessarily says, yeah, stay in there and continue to get kicked around. He's okay with boundaries. Um, it is though living with the consequences. And again, God's holy and he's not going to erase part of your history It's living with the consequences by a spirit and putting it back in the proper place. Um, Questions about that? Before I keep going? Oh, I knew it would. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. What if uh, it's a mutual hurt? They hurt you, you hurt them back? I would say own what you can. And so that could look like repentance, confession. If the boundaries are okay, going to the person and saying, I am so sorry. I own this, this, and this, but you have to go with the expectation that they may not be ready to own their stuff. So, you know, I've seen my kids do this with each other. I'm sorry I did this, and you should be sorry too that you did this, 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 right? And that's not really a true forgiveness. But if you can go clean and own your part, I've, I've tried before even, you know, especially if someone's accusing, I'll go before the Lord and say, okay, this seems kind of not to be true, but will you just show me the nugget of truth that they're hitting on? And it's normally the place where you go, oh, that's not me. It probably is a little bit. And so own, own what you can, knowing that it is not your responsibility to make them own it too. It's just about keeping your heart clean, forgiveness from the heart. You got to deal with you instead of dealing with other people. Yeah. I think for me, um, the line between forgiveness and living with boundaries is a bit blurred. Mm -hmm. And so especially because the people that I struggle to forgive, when I set a boundary because they're continually putting salt in the wound, mm-hmm. they say, well, that's unforgiveness. And, and so it's very difficult for me yeah. <coughs> to draw that line in my own heart and in my own mind. No, it's not unforgiveness, so yes, it is. 
Right. It is hard, especially with people that you love and people in families or settings that you're doing community. I think it's very hard. Um, the only thing I could say to that is that it's good to ask the Lord for the boundary because sometimes I have ideas about what my boundaries are and they're not the Lord's. And so then you can cleanly before the person, if they're challenging you on it, say, now, this is the, the boundary that I know that I'm supposed to walk in and it's not just my good idea. And You can love them. I, I think when we pray with people that have had some boundaries crossed with family members and parents, that becomes really, really fuzzy because you can bless a parent that's unhealthy. You can ask God to have mercy on that parent and you can still honor them as the role that they played and respect them. It doesn't mean that you say, come in and keep doing the thing that's detrimental to me and my family. And, and God's, yes, does somebody have? Um, I think one thing that has been helpful in some people I've heard is this idea of being demagnetized toward mm. the person. That's good. In other words, some people I'm repelled by, but I'm just as controlled by being repelled by them as I am needing something from them, and so I keep going to them. And God has this way of just demagnetizing that relationship, so you're not repelled by them, you're not attracted to them in a dysfunctional way. You just treat them as a person. You say, God, how do you treat them? How do you want me to treat them? But they don't control me either by repelling me or attracting me. They're just there. They're that's just good. a person. And that demagnetization is, yeah, that's <laughs> is sometimes a boundary in and, of, in and of itself in that I go, oh, they don't, they don't trigger me anymore. They don't tweak me anymore. Boy, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because a lot of the boundaries that are crossed are in our thought process, too. You know, they're controlling that. Yeah. Also, when you're trying to get healthy and other people aren't, they keep trying to pull you back into the unhealthy. Exactly. So they don't appreciate the boundaries. They, they have their own boundaries. And so they want to keep you in that setting so that they can feel comfortable. So but becoming healthy means you have to step outside those. And it's very uncomfortable. There's nothing yeah. more unhealthy than trying to live in someone else's rigid boundaries. And I have been there, done it, worked through it, God mm -hmm. delivered me. Good. But tons of work. Yeah. Tons of work. I, I love Psalm 16. I mean, for things like this, just asking the Lord to really show those pleasant places for me. And He draws them, not anybody else. And that's good. Yeah. And sometimes say that if both parties are desiring relationship, because if not, then you plateau, right? If you're not willing to give and take and don't really want further, you plateau. But if both parties want that relationship, then in some cases, it's very helpful to, to do a mediation with a counselor, and especially a, a parent or authority and child or so just a, a thought to consider that. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> and, there's, and there's ways to do that with the Lord, too, if you're going to interact with them still. Just a continual before the Lord saying, this is what you said about them. This is the hint I have on why they do the things they do. I bless them. I bless them. Really quickly before we go, I think knowing these definitions are really helpful. So we're talking about unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a pardon. It's a mercy. It's an amnesty. It's saying you don't have to go to jail. I am not going to keep you in prison. Judgment is a little different. This is a conclusion about someone and a pronouncement. So that's why when we're praying through unforgiveness, I will almost always have the person say, and God, I release them from my judgment, meaning I no longer am going to say, you're an awful parent. You're an awful spouse. 
you're the worst example of a spouse I've ever seen. I release them from my judgment. I am not pronouncing this legal conclusion about the individual anymore because that, that's where our heart gets compartmentalized. We may speak on forgiveness, we may even walk through some of the debt, but we love to hold on to that pronouncement of how bad they were. And then this is the kicker, bitterness. So you let unforgiveness and judgment sit around for a while. It's, bitterness is called a root. What do we know about roots? They're underground. And so that bitter root that the Bible refers to, it's often hidden, and it's where all that anger and disappointment and grief and resentment and that place where we say we cannot bear this person yet we choose to every day the bitter root gets in there and we really want to let God pull it up by the roots and so a lot of people can kind of hang out here but there's still levels of their heart that are hanging out here and so we want God to get wholehearted wholehearted forgiveness wholehearted walking through and letting him pull it all up okay so I'm gonna send some homework this week Part of that is going to be for you guys to sit with this passage, maybe even start asking the Lord, is there anybody that I just need to walk through this with? The answer is yes. You all have someone, even if it's just a little tiny thing, most of us have big things. And then possibly next week we're going to practice some of that together too. Just so you learn the language of doing it, it is one of the most freeing things to walking by the Spirit. This is like the money right here applying God's solution of forgiveness and really forgiving from the heart. Thanks, guys. Let me know if you're not on the email yes. list and I'll put you on so that you can